Hey, good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to River City Church, new building part two. Uh, pretty excited to do the second week here. Uh, hey, just really thankful for you guys. Uh, this week we start uh, this really five-week progression and in our series in 1 Corinthians uh, where we're going to be talking about uh, spiritual gifts and the way that the Corinthians were uh, handling and, and mishandling spiritual gifts. And so I just want to kick this whole kind of five-week thing off um, where we talk about this with just saying like spiritual gifts, I think for us as 20th century Christians, still 20th century, right? When did centuries change? Is it the 21st century? 21st century. I just found out. Hey, give yourself a hand. You made it. 21st century. Good job, everybody. Uh, when, when did it switch? Let's pray. Uh, I guess that's it. 2000. That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> For us, I don't think this is something that we, we think much about uh, for a few reasons. I think there are things in this that make us feel a little uncomfortable, that make us feel a little nervous. Um, two, I think when we talk about spiritual gifts, um, even just that phrase sounds a little strange to us. We'll talk a little bit today about maybe kind of what the Bible's trying to mean, even in the wording that it uses to refer to these things that we've coined as spiritual gifts. And, and third is that there's a potential in this stuff uh, for kind of some divisiveness to seep in. In that, in this stuff, there's been uh, discussions around spiritual gifts, in particular, some of the gifts that the Corinthians are, are struggling, which in the church have become things to uh, disagree about or feel frustrated by, or more even uh, kind of form large theological divides over. And so, so my hope and prayer, and I'm even going to pray to this end right now, is that that's not what happens for us as we work through this passage. That as we work through these next five weeks, working through uh, chapters 12, really uh, through the first part of 15 of 1 Corinthians, that instead of this uh, becoming something to, to divide over where we stand on some of these things theologically, instead of this being something where we would um, argue about uh, what should be administered in the church, what's, what's for now and what was for then, that instead that we would really have happen for us exactly what Paul was hoping would happen for the Corinthians, that their local church would be enriched by spiritual gifts, that they'd be a blessing to the local church, that those spiritual gifts would end up pointing people who don't know Jesus yet towards Jesus, and that these spiritual gifts would ultimately bring unity for us as they encourage us um, as to who we are and what our part in the body of Christ that is the local church is. So let's pray, and then we will jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 12. My God, we do just ask for your help today. Um, in particular, as we try and set uh, some definitions with this stuff, as we try and uh, work through, Lord, what exactly uh, uh, spiritual gifts are and, and what the Corinthians were struggling with as we kind of uh, start down this path in these next chapters. God, we just pray that for River City Church in this season, that we would be deeply and richly encouraged by the way that you have prepared for and set up the local church. That God, in these things, we wouldn't be prone to, uh, in our disagreement over the nuance of these verses or the way it should play out, uh, that we wouldn't be prone to being uh, split, feeling superior to one another, feeling down on ourselves for what gifts we do or don't have, God, but instead we would just rejoice, God, that we would, uh, in the Holy Spirit's work in us, be excited for how you have built and equipped the church as a whole and River City Church specifically 
uh, here in our context. So, so we pray for your help. Pray that you help us even understand these things, that we wouldn't go beyond what your word says, and we wouldn't ignore what it says either. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, we'll pick it up here with just the, the first verse to start. Uh, here's what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, uh, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. I do not want you to be uninformed. So Paul is speaking into the Corinthian church, and we've started down this section over the past couple chapters of speaking into issues of church order, or as it was for the Corinthians, church disorder in their worship services. And so we talked about uh, how there were issues uh, with the way that people were dressing and the way that gender was playing out in the local church. We talked about last week these struggles in their church for even how they would gather and celebrate the Lord's Supper together, that people were... uh, uh, just eating themselves to death. They were, they were excluding poor people. The people were getting drunk at communion. Just crazy stuff going on in the Corinthian church. But now we split to where maybe there was the most disorder in the Corinthian worship service, and that was around how they used their spiritual gifts. And so Paul says that his point in this section, and this really is his point for the entire section, is that he does not want them to be uninformed. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. He's trying to, again, answer a question that the Corinthians have asked him and then trying to speak into these distracting worship services that were taking part in Corinth. And so when we read these passages, we we should keep in mind that the, the goal of Paul, that the goal for us is that we would be informed about how spiritual gifts should be used in the local church. We're not going to necessarily get instruction on what every single spiritual gift is. I don't expect that we will come out of these weeks feeling like, yes, I've completely mastered this issue. But I do expect that as we proceed through these coming weeks that we would have a base level of understanding of what it means to have a spiritual gift and some of the ways that God has blessed the local church. So, so what are spiritual gifts? Uh, literally, the word that's often translated spiritual gifts, there's two different words. Uh, the one most commonly used uh, literally is, is a compound word, which means grace gift. And, and I find that term almost to be a little bit more helpful. That, that what spiritual gifts are, in their essence, are, are the way that the grace of God, because of the truth of the gospel, because of Jesus' provision for us, his death for us, his resurrection to give us new life, and then the Holy Spirit coming to equip us, that they are literally grace gifts, that they are expressions of the grace of God, which come through the Holy Spirit's help in our lives. They are grace gifts or spiritual gifts, as they've been called. Uh, I found this definition helpful. I didn't put it on the screen because this definition I pulled from um, uh, my notes from college when I took a course on 1 Corinthians, and I spelled the guy's name so badly that that this quote was from that I don't even know what it is. I I had it in my notes as Dr. Saucy. I can't find a Dr. Saucy that exists. So um, if in your reading you've ever come across Dr. Saucy, thank him, uh, because this quote was helpful. Um, So here it is. An ability given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit so that we might serve God and through the church and thus accomplish his purposes in the world. Let me read that again. A spiritual gift is an ability given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit, so that we might serve God in and through the church and thus accomplish his purposes in the world. I think this is a really helpful definition. The spiritual gifts 
are abilities, talents, uh, special giftings given to us by the Holy Spirit himself for the purpose of caring for the church so that the church can accomplish the purposes of God in the world. Spiritual gifts are at their core focused on mission. One of the the defining characteristics of whether or not something is a spiritual gift is if that gift is in some way, shape, or form pointed towards the mission of the local church and what it's called to do. That the local church is supposed to be an organization wholly focused on proclaiming the glory of God as expressed in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ church. And so spiritual gifts are things given to the church to encourage the church, to help the church, to bring the power of God himself to the church that they might carry out this mission, the purpose of God in the world. We've talked about this before, but but it, it always makes me take a step back just to think that the way that God has chosen to work in the world, The way that God has chosen to tell the world about himself, to tell of the story of Jesus, is through the local church. That you, River City Church, are the means by which God has planned for people to hear the gospel. That should feel weighty. That you are the means by which God has planned for other people to hear the truth of the gospel. And so to help you accomplish that mission, River City, to help you step into what God has called you to do, he has equipped this body with the Holy Spirit, the very person of God who brings these grace gifts, these spiritual gifts into our lives that we might be able to move forward. And that's a beautiful thing. But when we think about spiritual gifts, and as I said at the beginning, divisiveness can lean in. Divisiveness can come in as we disagree over what some of these spiritual gifts look like, um, how much of the, of the supernatural is involved in them. As we'll work through these passages over the coming weeks, uh, we will talk about things like tongues and prophecy, these gifts of knowledge and wisdom that will be referenced here. And some of those, for us, kind of blow our minds, and we're not even sure how to perceive these things or how to move forward. And because we disagree on those, divisiveness can come in as we think, no, this is for today or this is not for today. There's also a kind of mass confusion around this. I mean, honestly, if you listen to uh, podcasts that are Christian or, or revolving around the church, if you read books, the topic of spiritual gifting is not one that you hear about a lot. It's not something where, where most of us would probably consider ourselves really well informed. Uh, lastly, there's just a not a ton of scriptural reverence on exactly what these gifts are or how they play out. And so our approach as we work through these passages is that we want to seek out that our body would be well-ordered, that we would embrace the gifts of God, that we might magnify God through the proclamation of the gospel. We want to be, as a body, well-ordered, that we might magnify Christ as we proclaim the gospel and utilize these gifts, abilities, talents that God has given us to that end. Now, this was not the case in Corinth. In Corinth, there was an obsession with a particular group of gifts uh, referred to as sign gifts, and in particular, with this gift known as the gift 
of tongues. There was an obsession with the gift of tongues. And so the occasion upon which Paul is writing is he's trying to tell the Corinthians how they should handle their spiritual gifts. But in particular, he's trying to speak into the way that they were handling the gift of tongues, the way they perceived it as a body, and the way that it was playing out in disorder in their local worship services. Uh, The Corinthians were obsessed with this gift, as we'll see when we get to chapter 14. They were obsessed with it. Uh, What is the gift of tongues? So what's a definition we can at least all agree on? I think this is it. Um, A few of you are in seminary and you'll write me an email later or a text like, I don't think I can agree with that, but that's okay. Um, We're going to pass you by. Uh, What can we all agree on? Well, at least this. The gift of tongues was a Holy Spirit-inspired utterance or, or speech of some sort that was intended to result in the edification of the believer and be involved in the building up of the local church. Seminary folks, are we at least okay to move forward from there? Okay. The gift of tongues was a Holy Spirit-inspired or is a Holy Spirit-inspired utterance resulting in the edification of the believer, that, that it builds up the believer in some way. It's encouraging to him or her, and it builds up the local church and points towards Jesus in that way. Now, we can all agree on that, but, but the rest of it, we're kind of all going to fall apart, okay? Uh, was this a real language, or was this some sort of uh, angelic or um, otherworldly language or not? Major disagreements over that. We, we see in Scripture, Paul refer to uh, the tongues of angels um, in this sense, but there's disagreement whether he's talking about um, that in kind of a hyperbolic sense, saying even if I spoke in that way, would it matter? Um, whereas we see in the book of Acts, actual real languages play out as people are given the gift of tongues in some way, shape, or form. People speak in these languages, and they are understood by others who speak that language, and people are able to understand each other. So is it a real language or not? Um, is this a public thing meant to be demonstrated in the local church um, kind of for everyone else to view? Or, or is this something that can play out in, in someone's private prayer life? Scripture seems to talk about both of these things as existing. Um, is this something where we have the necessity of someone understanding the language that's being spoken? Or can it just be something that's a little bit more mystic and encouraging uh, for other reasons? Now, what's happened, I think, is that as we think about these things, that there seem to be two camps on this, either to um, utterly reject this gift or to over-embrace it as the key gift for people to embrace. And the occasion in Corinth was that they were overly embracing this gift. Paul writes to the Corinthians to instruct them that the gift of tongues is not the most important gift, that there are many things more important than it, and that in particular, the way that they are using this supernatural gift that they have been given was destroying their local body in some way, shape, or form. Now, so where are we at um, at River City Church on this gift? Uh, a few things. I'd say we want to be cautious of that. We want to be cautious of outright rejection of these spiritual things just because we don't understand them. And then we also want to be very cautious of embracing these things in a way uh, that leads to pride or proclaims that everyone should have this gift or it should play out in any certain way in the local church. Uh, There are different camps on this. There are people um, all the way from a group that's called the cessationist who would say this is all done. There is none of this anymore. Uh, To the Pentecostals who would say, no, this is an extremely important gift and that if you are a believer, you should and must be speaking in tongues. And I I would say for me personally, I, I reject both sides of that. 
Uh, I would say that we want to be uh, cautious in our attempts to figure out what this gift is and, and that we in uh, River City Church and as a culture, we, we have a little bit of an allergy to what I'd say is prideful, hyper-spiritual language. Um, our goal that when we talk about the way that God speaks or the gifting of the Spirit is never in the way that we just elevate our words to make others feel like we're better or more spiritual than them. Can I give you an example, a pet peeve of mine? that may hurt someone's feelings. I don't think anybody said this to me. Really bothers me when people say, uh, God told me this. Really bothers me. And I'll tell you why it bothers me. Because they, like, never mean that, right? Like, they never mean, yeah, you know, I was driving in my car, and uh, uh, I heard a voice, and then I hit a pile on because I was terrified, and this is what the Lord spoke to me. What they mean is, a scripture came to my mind. What they mean is, yeah, I, I remembered this thing that was true. Now, do I think that God was communicating to that person when they remembered Scripture or when they thought or felt that thing? Yes, amazing. Praise God. That is how he works. God often in our minds and our spirits, because we have the Holy Spirit as believers, brings to our minds scriptural truth, reminds us of principles that are true. But I think we can have a tendency in this desire to uh, feel spiritual, or to feel connected to God, or even bolster our confidence to use language that makes other people who would say, well, I don't hear the voice of God, feel less than. And so do we, do we reject the idea that God is speaking to us, is communicating to us through Scripture? Not at all. But we want to be cautious in our language and avoid the hyper-spiritual, that we don't build up our pride and act like we have something that other people don't have to make them feel like they're not as connected to God as we are. We're, we're allergic to prideful, hyper-spiritual language. Second, when it comes to the gift of tongues and the administration of that gift in someone's private life, this is an open-handed issue for us. I have never experienced the gift of tongues. I wouldn't say I have a complete understanding of how exactly this plays out, but there are people that I love and respect who have, would say they've seen this play out in the lives of people they know or in other contexts around the world. We want to be open-handed on this and not be overly reactionary either to our fear of it or our embracing of it and, and be cautious in the way we speak about it. Next, uh, we also want to say that, that there is the ability to have a spiritual experience or, or a religious manifestation that's not from God. It is possible to manufacture the existence of tongues, and to embrace it in a way that is not what the Bible talks about. And we know this happens. Uh, I don't encourage it, but like you can search YouTube and you can find this, right? You can find manifestations of this gift that do not seem like what the Bible talks about in any shape or way, shape, or form, that honestly are kind of weird and just wig me out and make me think, can I just have a different name for our team because I don't want to be on that team, right? There are ways to manufacture these things there are manifestations of seemingly religious things that are not from God. So, so where I think um, I land on this is to say that I think the gift of tongues is possible. Um, I think it's possible, and, and, I, and I have heard stories from people that I do believe and trust, in particular where someone has had the ability or has spoken without their knowledge in another language, and it's been received by someone who didn't speak that language and was able to understand. Never happened to me, never happened in front of me, but... Um, I've read about it from people that I trust in other places of the world. 
Um, I, I know people who would say that, that they have the gift of tongues and it's an encouragement to them in their personal prayer life. Never happened to me. Don't understand it. Not even sure how I feel about it emotionally. But I want to say I, I think it's possible, but I do not think it's the norm. I do not think it's the norm. And we'll work more into why I don't think it's normative for the local church that this plays into what we're going on. But what we do know is what was happening with the gift of tongues in Corinth is not a good example, okay? So as we think about what this gift is, and I know you're like, this is a long intro for one verse, and we got 10 more verses to go. The Lions play at one. Don't worry. I didn't know when I was going to tell you this, but I have a reservation at the Great Wolf Lodge this afternoon. We're not going to be here all day, I promise, okay? We'll burn through the rest of this. We're only doing half of chapter 12. We will catch up. But it's important that we understand the occasion upon which these first three or four, or these next three or four chapters are written. That if we don't understand that Paul is speaking in to a specific situation in Corinth in which a gift was being abused, we can go kind of all sideways on the way that we try and figure out what these verses mean for us. What was happening with the gift of tongues in Corinth, we'll see in chapter 14, was chaos. It was chaos. Uh, Paul even says, hey, if someone who doesn't know Jesus walks into your assembly, they're going to be like, hard pass. Like, these people are out of their minds, right? And they're going to leave. It was chaos. Uh, it was used for self-glorification. There was inner frustration if people didn't have these giftings. That's the occasion that Paul writes into, is the Corinthians are trying to understand spiritual gifts, trying to understand why this gift seems to be playing out in a weird way in their congregation. All right, let's fly through the rest, okay? Verse 2. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except for in the Holy Spirit. Now, now Paul, it seems, is stating here, he's trying to answer this question that the Corinthians had in regards to how do they discern whether or not something is a spiritual gift. I think that because of the misuse of the gift of tongues, because of the confusion around the gift of prophecy that we will see play out, there was confusion of, okay, Paul, if there are these spiritual gifts, if there are these grace gifts, in particular for the church in Corinth, if there were these miraculous expressions of the power of the Holy Spirit, how are we to understand this, and how are we supposed to discern whether or not this is from God. And get that, that the Corinthians were asking a really, really good question, right? The Corinthians weren't just saying, yeah, everything that feels spiritual, I just accept it, right? Now, realize we live in a culture that while it is rejecting religion, while it would push hard against Latin Christianity, is extremely open spiritually, extremely open to spiritual things. Now, there were surveys a few years ago, and I think it was like 80 to 85% of Americans, if you said, hey, do you consider yourself to be a spiritual person? They go, oh, yeah, of course. Like, I flow with what's flowing. I've got a crystal on my dashboard, right? Keeps me out of trouble. I don't know what crystals do. It's probably a misapplication. I'm sorry if I offended you and your crystals. Does Gwyneth Paltrow sell crystals? Is that a part of it, right? Is that goop? I don't know. I watched SNL once. I don't completely understand it. Where are we? Where are we? <laughs> okay. The Corinthians were asking a good question, saying, like, how do, we, how do we expect spiritual things? Do we just take it all 
as it is. And Paul says, look, just, I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to understand these things. He says, you know that when you were pagans, there was also stuff like this going on. It was pretty well known that within pagan culture, um, there were uh, um, instances of kind of these um, uncontrolled utterances that would happen within their church. He says, you, you know when you were pagans, these things were happening. He says, I want to give you a really basic uh, set of categories for spiritual gifts. He says, no, no one with a spiritual gift can say Jesus is a curse. Jesus is an anathema. No one with a spiritual gift is going to say that. That's not how their spiritual gifts are going to play out. They're not going to play out in this pagan demon worship that you've known as the past. He says in the same way, when someone says Jesus is Lord, that only happens in the life of a person through the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Now, no one's completely sure what the instances that Paul is speaking into here or, or exactly what was taking place in Corinth that makes him speak to this was, but he's just simply saying that which detracts from the glory of God, that which fails to magnify Christ, cannot be of the Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit, the one who gives these spiritual gifts, the one who indwells the believer, who is the helper that God gives to us, is God himself. So anything that the Holy Spirit does as God will magnify, will glorify God. It says no one acting uh, under the Holy Spirit can say that Jesus, the Son of God, is a curse, an anathema, something to be ignored. And no one without the Holy Spirit, without the power of the Spirit, can glorify God in this ways. And so in these two points, he kind of sets up this framework for challenging how the spiritual gifts were being handled in Corinth. It seems that the spiritual gifts in Corinth, in particular tongues, were often a distraction from God being glorified. They were used for selfish pride. They were used to be the boast of a believer, to covet after that you might be popular like those other Corinthians were popular. And so he tries to explain to them that there's more than just this gift of tongues that they're seeking. Pick it up in verse 4. It says, now, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I, I love this set of verses here. It says, look. There are literally, it's literally the word varieties here. It says that there are all sorts of different kinds of gifts. So there are all sorts of different ways to serve God. There are all sorts of different activities and mission that we are called to in the church. But he says, look, even though there are all different kinds of gifts, there's one spirit who gives those gifts. He says, even there are all sorts of ways to serve God, there's one God that we serve. Even though there's all sorts of different uh, little individual things that we're called to in the Christian life, the way that we're called to love and help people, he says, awesome, ultimately it's this one awesome, beautiful God who empowers every single one of these things. What Paul is getting at here is he's trying to encourage the Corinthians that the way that they've been built is exactly the way that God wanted to build them. That the gifts and talents that they have, that these spiritual abilities, these grace gifts. Now some of these are things that maybe they've already been good at for their whole life, but now are being employed in the service of the local church. Some of these are more miraculous things. Some of these things are going to be things that we see explicitly called out in scripture, like the ability to teach or to encourage or to help or faith, the gift of tongues that we see here, prophecy, interpretation, all these kind of more miraculous or specific things that we see in scripture. He says, look, every single one of these gifts... Every single one of these varieties of gifts, these different ways that you could serve, these different activities that God has called you into, every single one of them 
is from the same God, the same Holy Spirit, and serves the same mission to tell the glory of Jesus to the world. Even though they're different kinds. Uh, one commentator, uh, D.A. Carson, when he wrote on this, said uh, literally the image these kind of conjure here is almost like this image of an orchestra, right? He said there, there are varieties of these things. And this word that he's using here saying different kinds or varieties, um, it, it, it literally means like all these pieces of a whole that come together to create something beautiful. I watched this stupid video this week. It was literally on this orchestra that was playing like the startup and shutdown song from Windows. And like, anybody else see this? It's weird how the internet works. We're all programmed. I don't know what we're doing here. Tin hats on, okay? Like, all these just ridiculous sounds. And yeah, like, I listen to it. I'm like, man, that was beautiful, right? Like, the Windows and the Windows startup sound, that's death to me. I'm a Mac guy, right? Like, I don't want to hear that, right? The only sound you ever hear in Windows is really just a dunk, like something went wrong. It's broken. It's on fire. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like there's something about the way that an orchestra comes together. There's just, it's why, I mean, I love that like, I think this is still true in Michigan, that they try and get like all little kids um, to go get to see a symphony for a day. Just to understand the beauty of when all these different instruments, all these different talents, all these different people playing their roles, when it all comes together. That's, that's the image here. Because, yeah, there, there are a lot of different kind of gifts, but there's one spirit. There's one symphony. There's one thing that really displays the glory of God as it all comes together. And then he calls it this in verse 7. He says, to each is given this manifestation of the spirit. This manifestation of the spirit. Let me ask you to think about your life for a minute, okay? Think about the way that God has built you. Um, think about your personality, your emotional capacity, uh, the talents that you have that you've been able to employ in the local church to serve this body or to proclaim the gospel other places. Think about, think about that stuff that you're like, yeah, I'm innately good at this. Like, like maybe, maybe you're just good at like organizing stuff. My, my wife is like this, that like she can step into a space where I have created utter chaos and she can make it work. Um, man, there are some of you in this church, like, and I don't want to make people feel weird or kind of do what this passage doesn't talk about, but like, man, you, you can encourage that you will, you will shoot somebody a text message, you, you will step in, speak in, and you, you will do the work of God for a weary person just to hear the words like, hey, I love you, and I think it's just really cool how you're working hard. I mean, I'm thank, thankful that, like, God has equipped this church with, like, different people that can teach, with different musical abilities, uh, with people that, that love children, can care for them, not just, to, not just to keep them out of service and keep them out of our hair. Like, that's not the point of what we do over here, is to love them and let them hear the gospel in a way that rings true in their little ears. When you think about the way that God has built you, when you think about the way that God has equipped you, that God has, has, has used you, do you think about it like this verse speaks of it? That the way that God is working in you, that the way that you express those gifts and talents, that when you serve in that way, it is a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. When you serve and use your gifts, when you lean in to the person that God has made you, when you play the part in the orchestra to which God has called you, you are literally the Holy Spirit becoming physical and real before our eyes. That one of the ways that God has shown us that he is real is through the way that he is working in your individual life. That's beautiful. 
That is a beautiful thing. And so he says to these Corinthians, where everything's a mess, because where, where, where gifts are being misused, where they're fighting over what gifts they have or they don't have, he says, look, everybody's been given these gifts. Everyone's been given these things, no matter what it is. That the way that these gifts play out is they are the manifestation of the Spirit of God. They are God coming down and becoming real in front of your eyes. What for? For the common good. That you have a part to play in the way that God cares for River City Church. If you withhold those things that God has given you, if, if you fill your schedule with other things, if you use all your energy and your resources for other stuff, you withhold a way that God seeks to be present here in this church through you. That God has given you those gifts for the common good of this body as a whole to encourage this body as we press forward on the mission that God has called us to. God has plans through your life, Christian, your life to become real to the people around you. These gifts are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit for the common good. He goes on to describe some of these in verse 8. It says, for to one is given through the Spirit an utterance of wisdom, to another an utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to another to interpret tongues. Paul lays before the Corinthians all these multitudes of different gifts. Um, it's not an exhaustive list of gifts by any means. In particular, this gift seems, or this gift list seems focused on those public sign gifts. So we see gifts of revelation, where God is communicating truth and wisdom. We see these gifts of confirmation, where God is confirming the work of God that's happened in the local church. We see these gifts of proclamation, where, where the, the scripture or prophecy is being exposed and God being glorified. But the reason that Paul gives the, the short list here is to say, look, no one's more important than anyone else. And we'll lean hard into this next week when we finish out chapter 12. Now, we need to be really careful when we think about spiritual gifts that we don't do two things. I think we can have a tendency, one, to go too narrow and the other to go too broad. Uh, we can go too broad and we can just think that anything we like or we're good at is a spiritual gift. Like, you can run fast. Is that a spiritual gift? Meh, probably not. <laughs> Maybe. You can connect with other people. You can build community. You can use your, uh, your talents, your hobbies to do that. Is that a spiritual gift? Yeah, I think so. Is the ability to connect other people listed in Scripture as a spiritual gift? No. Is it one? Heck yeah. We don't want to go so narrow that we take these short gift lists and think, well, I don't know where I fit. And this is why um, uh, I have a little bit of a negative reaction, which played out probably too, um, too much. I'm sorry, Logan, because it was you, like, about these, like, spiritual gift finder tests. Like, Logan's like, you can take spiritual gift finder. I'm like, Pfft. Like, I wasn't even leading group. That was my only contribution for the whole night. So I'm also sorry to Rob. Um, like, I, I have a negative reaction to this because they, I think they tend to be too narrow. And just say, well, these are the gifts that Scripture has laid out. I don't think that's how Scripture speaks of these things. I think it speaks in, in a little bit more of a broad sense of, like, that God has built people, that God has indwelled people with His Spirit in a variety of ways. And as long as those things are, are seeking to build up the local church, to call people, to encourage people in God's purposes in the local church, to the mission of God through the believers in the local church, then I think 
their spiritual gifts. I think we can think of it broadly, but I also think we need to be careful and not just uh, assign our spiritual gifts as, as our hobbies. We have to be careful when we think about this. We don't go too narrow and we exclude the giftings of people because we don't see them in some gift. And we also don't want to just make this not, not a special thing. And so in particular in this list, uh, Paul lists tongues last because I think he's trying to say to the Corinthians, look, the thing that you think is the most important is not the most important. The point he's going to make as he goes on is that none of the gifts are the most important, really. He's going to make this point um, as we get to chapter 13. You've all heard that chapter before. And when we get to chapter 13, he's going to make this point. He says, all these gifts, no matter what they are, they all boil down to where your heart's at in them. Like, are, are, you, are you moved by, controlled by the love of God as you use and exhaust these things? Tongues in particular was this distraction for them, was this, this be all and all of, I just wish I could be like that person. So he encourages them with this last verse, this world closed today, he says this. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Uh, we talk a lot about like self-care in our culture right now, and I think some of that's good because I think self-awareness is good. And I think some of that's bad because I think it, it, it makes us lean into really like how other people should be serving us. But, but, but I want to say here, like, man, I think one of the most pure and beautiful expressions of how you care for yourself as a believer is this. Have you stopped at any point recently to praise God for how he made you? Have you stopped at any point recently... If you're a believer, if, you, if you've trusted in the grace of Jesus, if you've trusted in God's provision in Jesus for you through death and resurrection, if you've trusted in this new life, if you believe that the Holy Spirit has indwelled you, as the scripture says, if you're a Christian, it has, have you stopped to just praise God for how he made you? Just dwell on it for a minute. To think that God made you how he wanted to make you. To think that every grace gift, every spiritual gift that you have is a manifestation of the Spirit in you. And it's from God. That it's a literal gift from God. That it was given to you to bless the church and to bless you. Have you, have you stopped to praise God for how he's made you? To be excited about how he's gifted you? Um, I think this is true, that, that one of the ways that God is good and one of the ways that he displays his goodness is that in the way that he's gifted you, he's created those things to bring you great joy. As you stop and think, like, what am I good at? What do I love? And how do the things that I love and the talents that I have and these special abilities from God, how do they play into the way that I'm supposed to serve the world through the church? And I think God has built you that those things might bring you great, great joy. Now, this verse says that every single believer has been empowered for the work of ministry that they are called to. We should rejoice and get really excited about that. We should rejoice. You should, you should think about your life. You should think about your life and think, be careful with this because it's going to sound weird, but you should think, I'm a gift to God to these people, right? Now, not in a prideful way, like, oh, if they were only like me, Right? Like, you're not, you're not supposed to think of this like that anyone's supposed to be like you, and that's going to be the explicit point of next week. But you should think about your life and the way that God's built you, and you should smile. I, like, I think one of the best parts of being a pastor is that, like, I get to see this maybe in a different way. Like, I get to, like, 
think strategically about the local church. I get to see kind of this trajectory that we're on as a body. And like I get to think in, in many ways in, in my role and with our other uh, elder candidates as they kind of are stepping closer to uh, stepping in as pastors in the church. But like I get just to think strategically and I get to think about you and the way that God's built you and the way that your gifts. And, and like it just it makes me smile. Like, so often the way that God has provided for this church is just miraculous to me. Um, so just a few weeks ago, we were trying to figure out, like, how do we hang these lights up here, right? Like, how do we do this? Um, like, I don't know if you feel safe right now, but there's, like, 200 pounds hanging above your head. Like, how do we do this not kill anyone? That was one of my chief concerns with this space, was just, like, how do I not drop a light on someone's head? And we're talking through it and, like, just start talking to Caleb and Mariah um, and, like, realize, like, oh, these guys work with hanging pipes for a living and making sure they don't kill people. Like, now, that's their, that's their education and their background, but, but in that moment, we're able to take that skill and ability, and it translated to me feeling so good about what we were able to do in terms of safety in this space. And that probably, you're like, engineering's not a spiritual gift. Well, you're right, probably not. But, like, they're just too nerdy for it to be a spiritual gift, right? Like, but, man... Did God administer his grace to our church and the people that he provided in that moment so we could do something right? Without a doubt. Without a doubt. Uh, people who, who came in here, like Camille spent like $47,000 painting cracks in the hallway to make sure it looked good. Would we have put Brandon on that job? No. Because he would have painted one and been like, looks good. I'm tired. And that's where I was at too, Right? But God gave us people who, who were detail-oriented, who would key in, who would focus on these things, who would give their all to it and donate their time and hours. Like, this isn't to magnify any individuals, but to say, I get to look at this church and see how God has uniquely set us up for the mission that he's called to, not just in this space, but in the people we have and the way that they're able to love other people and care for other people. And my point, church, is that you're a part of that. God has built you. God has gifted you. He has made you a piece of this puzzle in a way that is unique and that no one else can fulfill. And so there's two ends to that. Uh, the one end is this. If you're not using those gifts in any way, you're being selfish. If you are not employing the gifts and abilities and talents that God has given you to bless this local body, to push it forward towards its mission, then you are being selfish and you're not playing your role. And the second part of it is we deeply, deeply need you. We deeply, deeply need those things. And that God has provided every single thing that we need. Anytime we think, well, maybe we don't, we don't have it, I think we just get shocked in the way that God has provided. And so over the next couple of weeks as we lean into this stuff, man, there's going to be a lot of these moments where we're talking about stuff. We're like, man, I don't, even know, I don't even know what this is. Like, can we just read a psalm and not do this thing right now? Nothing's weird in there. Except for like the spear throwing and all that kind of stuff. But like, Let's not lean out of what God is trying to do as he encourages us in the way that he's built this body and the way that he's equipped the church globally. This isn't just playing out here at River City. This is playing out throughout Belknap Lookout and other churches that God has uniquely equipped for the people that he's called them to in our city filled with churches that are on mission for Jesus in our state and our country in this world and throughout time. God is doing a beautiful thing and you, without a doubt, are a part of his work in that. Let's pray that we'd help to remember that. Uh, God, we need your help. Uh, we deeply need your help. 
And so I pray that, that over the next weeks, as we think about spiritual gifts, God, that, that you would do this thing uh, of, through your spirit, making us hyper aware of the way that you've built us. And then, God, that you would encourage us not to feel um, embarrassed about using our gifts, not to feel uh, overly prideful about who we are versus other people. But, God, that you would do a work in River City Church in the next five weeks where we see your spirit move and we have a more clear understanding of the way that you have sought to work in this church through this body as a whole. God, would we recognize that the gifts that we have, that the way that you have built us, that the people you have brought to this body, you did so with intention and purpose. God, for those in this room, that it is hard for them to think about themselves and think good things. God, for those of us that, that, that struggle with our own worth, with depression, God, would you remind us that you have built us in the way that you want, and that you see us as beautiful, that we have great worth, and that, God, you have not only built us with great worth in your image, Lord, but you have increased our worth in the work of the Spirit in our lives. God, keep us from the selfishness that says uh, we can just sit back and wait, uh, and God, press us forward in your grace. In your name we pray. Amen.